Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Ahead on the six. We're live courtside in Boston as Kyrie welcomes Steph for a matchup many expect to see at least four times next June. Why KD thinks this iconic shot represents LeBron passing the torch to him. It was back to school for Draymond at, yes, Harvard. And we'll tell you why you can now call Steph the professor. Plus, Embiid goes off for 46. Lonzo only has two. Which number grabs the bigger headline? And as their Sunday meeting looms, how Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott have changed the Cowboys-Eagles rivalry. That's right, the best 60 minutes of your day start right now. I just can't figure out how we get here. That's right! That's right! I'm sorry, you know I've been hyped. This is what's on the menu for today, 6 at 6. More on the Billionaire Fight Club. Continuing among NFL owners, we'll give you the latest on their strong response to Jerry Jones going scorched earth and his latest request of the NFL. But first, some ankles might get scorched tonight in Boston. Game of the year so far this season, Warriors and Celtics, 13 straight wins by 10.2 points per and 28 days without a loss versus seven straight wins by 20 points per and 17 days without a defeat. Tonight is the night. Now, I'm not contractually obligated to call it a potential finals preview. History tells us LeBron and the Cavs will figure it out and find their way back to the finals, but keep thinking that this is a cute little streak by Kyrie Celtics and that they're the future, not the present, that they have next and not now. Maybe you don't take them that seriously now, but if they take down Steph and the Warriors tonight, it'll be interesting to hear the takes tomorrow. C's already played the dubs. Tough anyway as it is, Jamal. Yeah, they do. And Jeff Goodman, we know you always play tough. You always come to play in general. You spoke with Danny Ainge earlier. What's impressed Danny Ainge the most about Kyrie? Well, he said the most surprising thing so far about Kyrie Irving is his defense, which is shocking because obviously that's not something that Kyrie Irving has been known for. I asked Steve Kerr about it a little while ago. And he said he feels like the difference, why Kyrie has been better defensively, not due to effort, but due to where he is. Obviously, in Cleveland, they could coast a little bit. In Boston, this is a team that a year ago was one of the worst defensive teams in the league, that this team has to be hungry. They've got to play hard all the time. He's playing with Terry Rozier and Marcus Smart, who are tenacious defenders. And that's why Kyrie has been a pretty good defender. Kind of crazy to say it so far this year. All right, Jeff Goodman, we appreciate it. He's got a guard, Steph, tonight. We got Steph teaching an online master class in basketball fundamentals. Draymond giving lectures at Harvard. Meanwhile, the Warriors just keep schooling the competition night in and night out. Warriors scoring 8.2 more points per game than any other team this season. Last season's Warriors team averaged 113.2 points per 100 possessions. The most efficient offense in modern NBA history. This year's group, 116.1. Okay, Warriors and Celtics both atop their conferences and the tops in the league uh, in average point differential. League leader in offensive efficiency versus league leader in defensive efficiency. But mind you, the gap between Golden State's number one scoring offense and the number two scoring offense, larger than the gap between number two and 21. And when comparing Boston's defense relative to the league average, they have the second best defense since the merger. And Jamel, finally, peep this. Tonight will be the seventh time 
in 323 games that the Warriors face a team with a better record. That's just absurd. Uh, keeping with that theme of similarities, Chris Haynes, again, right there in Boston. Uh, Kevin Durant that said that he sees some similarities between the Warriors and the Celtics. What are they? Well, if you look at Bush over the last couple of years, when they tried to go after free agents, this city is becoming a hotbed as far as how they go after free agents. They, they get the New England Patriots involved. Tom Brady is heavily involved. It, 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 it makes a difference when guys come over here because a lot of players are a little bit eerie of Boston. But when you get all the everybody coming together and trying to put the pitch and then the, the aura of just playing here in the garden, I think it rings the bell then. Kevin Durant said this organization and Brad Stevens reminds him of the Warriors and Steve Kerr playing with a coach that you just love to play with and playing for an organization who allows you to be yourself and allows you to speak openly on pretty much any topic. And so you have to remember Kevin Durant was you know in on the pitch. They tried to lure him in a couple years back. And so this place has a, has a resounding ring for him. Right. Look at these two teams. You think they're going to be seeing a lot of each other. We'll be seeing a lot of them playing each other right. in the next few years. The right. way Thank built. you, Chris. We appreciate it. All right, uh, sticking with KD for a second in the Warriors. Uh, who could forget about this shot? They hit over LeBron in Game 3 of the NBA Finals last season. In an interview with GQ, KD says... And this is very interesting. Uh, that was the best moment I ever had. I made the game-winning shot in the finals against my idol. Had something before the idol. Somebody that I really, really, really followed since I was a ninth grade high schooler. I felt like he was passing the torch to me. LeBron? Yeah. Passing the torch, huh? LeBron. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, I, think, I think he was putting it politely. That's my takeaway from that. I think he really was saying I was taking the torch. Yeah. He was just out of respect saying LeBron like that is was passing. A willing process. I don't think LeBron, like LeBron was like, hey, dog, KD. you got it from yeah. here on out. No, All you. No, no, I don't think don't so. But if you're Kevin Durant, you don't take a backseat to LeBron James. Why would you? So it doesn't matter whether we still consider LeBron James the best player in the world. Kevin Durant doesn't see himself in any way as inferior, and he's got an argument. I mean, the difference is not that great in terms of – skill set and versatility to where it's like not even a conversation most considered to be 1a 1b there is a difference though and look I don't want to because you know when you get to these player to player arguments you wind up uh, just in an unintended way diminishing one to highlight the other I think the way that LeBron has done it is unlike anything we've seen in history add him to any team you're in the finals and the number of finals that he's been to in a row, I think that yeah. that obviously proves the point. The body of work is the body. Of, yeah, I mean, KD yeah. has certainly been uh, saddled with some of those responsibilities earlier in his career, but but they're different. And so, look, I appreciated the fact that KD thinks enough of himself as he should to to consider himself on LeBron's level. But I, I don't see. Look, we watch LeBron night in and night out. He doesn't look like somebody who is losing steam. He doesn't look no, like somebody who, uh, you know, is on his way to, to the back nine of his career. No, but it's just, it's so to pass the torch, you know, it's just like I understand that you're winning in that moment over a great player. I right. get it. But LeBron is not conceding that, that, But that wasn't the point. That's what I'm saying. It was a phrasing. He's saying, like, look, now I'm on that level. I didn't have a championship. People could hold that against me. Even though people still hold it against me how I got to this point, I got the championship and I hit the biggest shot, the biggest three in game three to put us up 3-0 over my idol. So now I, now I got a seat at the table. So maybe not passing the torch, but lighting a torch as they both continue to carry the NBA as the consensus top two players. The most interesting stuff, and he had a lot to say about – 
OKC and how he harbors no bitterness. He, he really seems to finally truly be at peace. He talked about being vulnerable, but the key to being vulnerable is not being sensitive. And he said, hey, Michael Jordan never went through anything like this. Well, again, Michael Jordan didn't go about it like this to get his championship, but he's right. Kevin Durant has dealt with an awful lot of backlash, but he finally, in reading GQ and Bleacher Report, finally seems to be okay with it all, I think. That's we'll most see. All right, Cowboys owner Jerry Jones has asked for a special league meeting with NFL owners to talk about Commissioner Roger Goodell's contract extension negotiations. Now, according to the Wall Street Journal, Jones sent a letter suggesting a meeting in New York on November 28th to discuss oversight of the compensation excuse me, committee handling Goodell's deal. Now, Jones has threatened to sue the league if the committee approves an extension, saying it should be reviewed and approved by all owners. Now, earlier today, the Associated Press obtained a letter written for the NFL's Compensation Committee in which Jones is accused of sabotaging the negotiations. Don't you just love it when billionaires fight? Uh, Jim Trotter, uh, now that Jerry has made this request of the league owners, uh, what's the reaction around the league to it? You know, Jamil, I can tell you, I just got off the phone with one owner who told me they don't have any plans right now to hold a special meeting for Jerry that he requested. Instead, the feeling is if he wants to discuss this, he can come to New York on December 13th when the NFL is going to have its regularly scheduled committee meetings. If he wants to address it there, the owners will address it at that time. But I can tell you right now, owners are not happy with Jerry. They feel that he has put himself above the league, that he is being selfish here, and that back in May, he agreed to empower the compensation committee to finalize a deal with Roger and to allow that committee to vote on that deal, or I'm sorry, to extend that deal and finalize and agree to it without the other owners voting on it. So right now, these owners feel that Jerry's being very selfish and they don't like it. See, y'all know where we're going to be. <laughs> you know the number, Jerry. Right. Number, five, 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 Bunker Hill. Right. We talked the other day. We talked about how there may be some just damage, irreparable damage. It may not be irreconcilable differences, but irreparable damage done to the relationship between Roger and Jerry and Jerry and his fellow owners at this point. They always talking about protecting the shield. Sorry, man, but this is something that feels like you're not going to just be able to sweep this under the rug. Even if the deal gets done, the damage has been done. Uh-oh. Oh, he froze. I thought you were paying close attention to me. I thought he was captivated by my take. Since the NBA began recording blocks in 73-74, only Kareem in 1980 has scored at least 40 with at least 15 boards, 7 dimes, and 7 blocks. But no one, nobody has had a line equal to the one Joel Embiid produced Wednesday night. I hate to see what he can do when operating at higher than 69%. I was like Smokey watching Craig knock out Debo. That's my dog. I was so excited. Jamel, I couldn't sleep last night, and yet I didn't need my alarm to wake up this morning. Don't worry. I'm still saving you a seat I'm on the process bandwagon. I'm not off the bandwagon, okay? In the back, though. You see, but it's in the back. Look, joining us now on the six is a man who reported and opined in Philly for many years, so he certainly can put into perspective Joel Embiid's performance. Stephen A., after last night, should we speed up the timetable on the process, becoming the NBA's next great big man along the same lines of, say, Olajuwon, Shaq? Talk to me, man. Yeah. Well, what's going well, on I here? Det- I-, I-, I detest the whole process things because um, having a license to lose for several years and throw seasons before you find success is something that disgusts me. Speak but on as it. it to Joe, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but as it pertains to yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll say it loud and clear for y'all. It's not an African-American that I know of that can, that can literally forfeit seasons and still not worry about keeping 
his job. That was the situation in Philly before Commissioner uh, Adam Silver stepped in and Jerry Colangelo arrived there. Having said all of that, Joel Embiid is the real deal. He's the full package, no question about it. He's a star in this league for years and years to come so long as he can stay healthy. Let's just put it in its proper perspective. Last night's performance specifically was against the Lakers. Brooke Lopez, Julius Randle, Larry Nance to a lesser degree. Come on, y'all. And as it pertains to his seven blocks, remember that the Lakers can't hit threes. So they got to come to the hole in order to make shots, oh. which is playing right into his hands okay. as well. It sounds like you qualifying that just a little bit. I thought I just a said lot. that nobody in NBA history since they started counting blocks has ever put yeah. up a line like that. So I'm sure there have been plenty of good players, played plenty of bad teams, and yet none of them produced a line like that. So how you going to go qualify my man's breakout game like that? Because even though I know he's got mad skills and he's big time, I'm saying to you that Lakers are that pathetic defensively. <laughs> I don't know how else I can say it to you. I mean, the fact of the matter is, Michael Smith, you put on you put on some sneakers. If you were seven feet tall, you could put on some sneakers right now and drop 25 no, and 30 you're giving on me the too Los much Angeles credit. Lakers interior. You're giving me too much credit. I'm just saying that defense in the interior is not that impressive. <laughs> you're giving me too much credit. No, I, I wouldn't get on the floor. I, I'd be sitting okay, right next to in the fourth quarter. Maybe both of us side by side. Steven and Smith, we appreciate it, man. Thanks for the knowledge as always. Look, we're all pretty much united at this point in our disdain for Thursday Night Football. But on the bright side, tonight, under Skycam, by the way, I'm here for the Madden 18 vantage point. The spotlight is on the Titans, who it seems we can't help but sleep on. Winners of four in a row and AFC South leaders, you might say the Titans are giant killers. Over the past two seasons, Tennessee is 5-1 against winning teams, second best mark in the league. Fully healthy, a chance for, wait for it, a statement win tonight in Pittsburgh. Meanwhile, Jeremy Fowler, what sort of statements are the 7-2 Steelers making about scoring 30 points for a change this season? Mike and Jamel, it's great to be with you. And despite a nasty, windy night in the 30s, don't expect the Steelers to run the ball too much. I think they're going to crank it up with the passing game because Ben Roethlisberger at home loves to get to the line of scrimmage, giving receivers hand signals and running that no-huddle offense. And he said this week it's easier to run the no-huddle on a short turnaround. And get this stat, Roethlisberger primetime games at home, 18-3 and all-time. 45 touchdowns. I just spoke with somebody in Big Ben's camp in the tunnel over here, and they said that he loves these big moments under the lights. He'll be ready to go. And when it comes to the Steelers' ground game, watch for Le'Veon Bell trying to limit those negative yardage runs. I spoke to him at his locker this week. He said that for some reason that's been a bugaboo for him this year. Otherwise, he's running the ball efficiently, so he plans to clean that up starting tonight. We now say hello to your new National League MVP, the Miami Marlins, for now, we'll get up to that in a second. Giancarlo Stanton edging Joey Votto by two points to take MVPs. Joining us on the six. congratulations on a fine season. Highlighted, of course, by those 59 home runs. Uh, we'll get to all the trade discussions and that stuff in a second, but let's enjoy this moment with you uh, while we have you. So you are the sixth player, and it's the seventh time, Giancarlo, that a player from a team with a losing record is MVP. Does that make this honor at all bittersweet for you? Uh, yeah, you know, you, you understand um, uh, how the season went, um, but, it, but it also, uh, I appreciate it because uh, that, that goes into the votes too. You know, they, they you know, I could have missed some votes because of that. So, um, you know, I'm just appreciative for it. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, as, as big of a deal as this is, I mean, I think a lot of baseball fans are particularly interested in your immediate future. Now, the, the Marlins have been fairly clear about their intention to trade you. Have you had any conversations with them? And if so, what was said? 
Uh, yeah, it, it's uh, filling out the field right now. I mean, um, we're they're they're check they're accepting calls, checking in uh, from other teams, and you know we're gonna see where it's at. But uh, you know, uh, I love the core we have. You know, I've, I've always um, expressed that. Um, but you know, if the the new regime is gonna go a separate way, then then that's the way it needs to be. What? Uh What's your desire here? It's obviously a business, but you have a full no-trade clause. Your approval is required to move you. What would you prefer? Would you prefer to move to a contender, or would you prefer mm-hmm. uh, you know, to be with a team that actually wants you and wants your contract? Uh, a little bit of both. You know, I, I, I want to I be – I want for us to push to contend, but, uh, but make a real push, you know, uh, not just the, the feelers and um, – uh, you know the the happy signs that that we did push. I, I want I want to make a a huge run at it with the Marlins, and if not, then then we can see what goes on from there. When the Marlins first sort of expressed their intent to trade you, uh, how did that make you you feel? You've been obviously their best player all season, and yet they want to move you. Uh, did you take that personally at all? Uh, not really. You know, uh, uh, those kind of been my whole career, how, how it's been. So uh, it, it was almost pretty normal. The, the, the only difference is that this time it might be uh, an actuality rather than, than some rumors. And, and again, unfortunate timing. You have this going on at the winter meetings. And today, a lifetime achievement, uh, a, a goal of yours, obviously, a dream come true to be National League MVP. So given everything that's going on, when you got the, the announcement that you won in the fourth closest voting ever, won your first MVP, how did, how did that make you feel? What was your initial reaction to being named MVP today? Man, uh, so much weight off my shoulders. Uh, I, I've been letting this build up and build up and, you know, not trying to tell anyone to be ready, be prepared, not, um, you know, trying to keep it cool until it happens. So uh, I'm just so thankful it happened and, and I'm going to enjoy this and, and, you know, work to work to get better. What do you say to what your agent, Scott Boris, uh, he kind of went in on the Marlins and, uh, and other ownership groups who shed payroll saying it's really not about winning. It's about the bottom line. It's about recouping their investment. And there should be some kind of safeguards against teams just shedding payrolls versus being aggressive in terms of winning because it's not about the fans at that point. What do you say to that? Uh, you know, I, I, I agree. I mean, you, you got to – that's what makes baseball entertaining. That's what makes, um, you know, division races entertaining. You never want the, the team to, to come in and, you know, they, they got 50, 60 wins and, you know – that, you know, uh, it's about a wash. You know, no one's going to really watch it on TV or come to the game. So, you know, you want um, all, all teams to push and, and have competitive uh, games all season. We play so many games, you know, that's, that's what you want. All right, so we're hearing Giants, we're hearing Cardinals, all sorts of speculation. Again, you have a full no-trade clause, so it's ultimately up to you. So put you on the spot here before we let you go. As we sit here right now, what do you think? Do you think you'll be in a Miami Marlins uniform come spring training? I can honestly tell you I have no idea. All right, well, we'll stay tuned. Giancarlo, congratulations on uh, 59 home runs, a fantastic season, and being named national MVP, edging out Joey Votto by two points in the fourth closest voting ever. We appreciate you. Ever heard of something called a pregame matchup quality rating? Apparently it's a thing, and the Eagles-Cowboys game rates an 89 on a scale of 100, the highest rated game for any game in the 2000 
17 regular season and have all the Week 11 games. This is the second closest projected matchup. Close games, division rivals, feed me Seymour. <laughs> <laughs> this rivalry is going to be good, really good for a long time. I mean, uh, those are two pros, you know, talented, have great instincts and tangibles that you want. And even better than that, they're, they're just great leaders, uh, good people. They work at it. They study it, constantly trying to get better. It's great for our game to have young players at that position that approach it that way. And uh, so it's going to be a great rivalry. There'll be some great matchups between those two as the years come. All right, Stefano Fasaro is covering the Cowboys today. How have they handled uh, this bad offensive line performance uh, versus Atlanta as they get ready for the Eagles? Yeah, it was Chaz Green and Byron Bell who struggled to the tone of six sacks allowed from that left tackle spot in Atlanta. Now, of course, you know, they were replacing all pro left tackle Tyron Smith, who's yet to practice this week. He's still dealing with that growing injury. So all signs are pointing to Byron Bell getting the start at left tackle on Sunday. Now, we did speak to Jason Winton about the adversity that these guys had been facing, and he told us that he really made it a point to help pick these guys up, move them past last week, help them focus on this week. And he also added, uh, quote, we got their backs, but now we're pushing to get their butts back out there and do what they do best. Only, uh, yeah, he didn't use the word butts, if you know what I mean. Uh, the task won't be easy uh, against that dominant defensive line of the Philadelphia Eagles. But it is interesting. For so many years, the Cowboys offensive line has been hailed as one of the best in football. And now we can argue that that's their biggest concern heading into this massive matchup on Sunday night against the Eagles. Massive reporting out of you, Stefano. We appreciate it. So here's the storyline we're selling for Cowboys-Eagles, Dak versus Wentz. Their 33 combined wins entering this Week 11 matchup are the most combined wins by quarterbacks meeting within the first two seasons in the Super Bowl era. But there's a reason we're hyping up the quarterbacks because, honestly, what else is there to hype about this game? Permission to be a Debbie Downer, guys? Uh, the Cowboys won't have Zeke. Sean Lee's status is up in the air. Game has lost a lot of luster for me, uh, Teddy sure, Bruschi. Sure, yeah. What about you? Yeah, especially, you know, not watching Sean Lee at the linebacker position. I mean, you coach. No bias out of you. Yeah, you, you tell, you coach young kids, you say, watch the players like Bobby Wagner up in Seattle, Sean Lee in Dallas, the way they do things behind the line of scrimmage, like playing running back without the football, the diagnosis, the way he's able to lead the defense, the plays that he makes. You put somebody in there, Anthony Hitchens, he had a good game last week, but still, you, is, is everything just a little bit less organized, you know, without Sean Lee? Or everyone, does it take you a little bit longer to get lined up? Yeah. That means it takes you a little bit longer to get to your keys and then your assignment. So uh, maybe a little bit slower with the loss of Sean Lee, and it just doesn't start there. If Zeke's not there, the left tackle, Smith, he's probably not there. Guys, and, guys, it's Cowboys-Eagles number one. If the Cowboys can somehow get to 7-7 seven and seven or 8-6 and six once Zeke comes back, who knows if they can still get in the playoffs. I don't believe they will, but we'll see. And if everybody's having this Zeke, or excuse me, Dak or Carson Wentz debate, and the answer is yes, okay, they're both great in their own rights. <laughs> right. But if you're picking them, what better statement can Dak Prescott make and shut up the people who every time you – because I, I pick Dak over Carson based on the body of work to this point, okay? You do? Yes. And, okay. and, and, and still sticking with that. I am, and, okay. and their numbers are not as disparate as one would, one would think. But people's retort to that is always, well, Dak's just a product of the offensive line and running game. Okay, well, we saw he couldn't get protected last week against Adrian Claiborne. Well, offensive line issues, no Zeke Elliott. If he were to manage to get a win against Philly – that's narrative changing in terms of his stature as not just a product of the system, but somebody that makes that system go. So this is 
just as intriguing and in some respects in a different way more intriguing. I mean, intriguing to see if Dak Prescott yes. can be that yes. quarterback. You're anticipating he can. Yes. Right now, I'm, I'm, so sure. I'm anticipating that he can't, okay. you know, based on not having your left tackle in your running game because maybe if you had one or the other, the left tackle to protect will protect you if you need to throw the ball. Okay, then if you had Zeke and the running game would be better because you don't have your left tackle. You don't have both, and then it's all you. you got to be empty. you got to get it out of your, 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 your hands, three-step drop, get it out quickly, diagnose quickly, Beasley on little option routes, Witten, on, right. Witten in the middle of the field. Can he do that? I just don't know if he can do that right I want to see. I want to yeah, see if he's yeah. got it. All right. Um, speaking of seeing, let's talk about tonight's game and what we'll see there. This is the Titans' second game this season against a team with a winning record. Uh, way back in week two, they defeated the Jaguars, who look pretty good right now. But this is the Steelers, who, like the Titans, on a four-game win streak. Um, you know, coaches often refer to certain games as program wins or program losses. Um, tonight for the Titans – is this a chance for them to get a program-defining win? Well, I absolutely think it is because now that we're getting close to Thanksgiving and you get to places to where teams either start to surge and show you who they are or teams just start to level off or they fall off the table like that. And I, I, I just think I, don't, I haven't seen it from Tennessee this year that they're a team that can show me that right now is when they'll start to get better and even improve as a football team. I think them when they get into these games with these teams with the solid defense like Pittsburgh has and the offense that's ready to take off, in my opinion, you'll start to see Tennessee and they'll start to struggle, and then you'll start to forget about them in maybe three to four weeks <laughs> until, yeah. until they prove me otherwise. Yeah, I got you. Right. They would agree. Yeah. They haven't shown us anything in the past that would give me any evidence that would say, watch out for Tennessee. Yeah. They will surge. Show me tonight. Right. If they can show like me, that'd on. be great for them. And the thing I love about it, and you know this, Teddy, being with the Patriots for so long and people kind of picking at that franchise and trying to replicate it, like you're talking about programs that mirror each other because the Titans want to be Pittsburgh, mm. both in terms of their style of play, malarkey, yeah. Dick LeBeau. They're trying to be what Pittsburgh is from a physical standpoint so they can go toe-to-toe with them looking in the mirror. We'll see what happens. Sure. Good seeing you, man. Appreciate you. Which highlight was better from John Wall? Nutmeg and Hassan Whiteside, which was ill, or this chase down, which – the best part about the chase now, you didn't see down. it? Exactly. Chase he had down. admired the miss. He admired his missed shot, and then that's why he's the fastest guy in the league. They built this process right? bandwagon because okay. me and Sam Hinkie in the front seat, there's still room for you. I'm like a proud papa talking about Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. It's like picking between my two favorite children. Did you know that he'd be this good, as in potentially all-time great big man good? You got a transcendent talent in Joel Embiid that we're watching. Trust the process, baby. I find this interesting that you have spent this much time patting yourself on the back over something, Mike, a lot of people thought Joel Embiid was going to be good. A lot of people. Oh, no, All right. This, you're going to move in the goalposts. You're not, like, you're predicting something like the world's ending tomorrow, okay? You're predicting something that literally a lot of people do. You're such a hater. I'm not a I hater. Why don't you let me be great? Let me be great. Y'all didn't trust the process. I did. You crucified Sam Hinkie. He deserved and people, it. And disciples like me. Disciples. After the game, Embiid. Posted this photo of him. Love the location. I, I mean, is he, I don't know if he's more funny. Or he's as funny as he is good. He's unbelievably clever. Unbelievable. Worth noting that Embiid also tweeted, I like Lonzo's game. No shots toward him. Trust it. Yeah, it was a reason why he had to tweet that and give him that vote of confidence. Because my man Lonzo Ball definitely needed some. Because for the second straight game, Lonzo Ball spent the fourth quarter watching from the bench. After playing 21 minutes, 1-4-9 from the field. Over. 
from behind the arc. So for me, the bigger storyline, no disrespect to Joel Embiid. Again, this just in, he's good. What a shocker. Was seeing Lonzo Ball look, he just looks, he looks so defeated. Just no defeated. That makes you an awful columnist. No, he doesn't. Unless you work for the no, LA Times. You, go, you know what? Unless you work for the no, LA Times. No, as a columnist, you, you know what? While everybody's you know what? over here, you go over there. And ain't nobody reading you over there. <laughs> yeah, you people are, are. They're NBA interested. Writer, and you go to that game last night, and you come away talk, walk, talking about Lonzo Ball looking the lost. The savior of LA was dreadful again, Mike. Don't even show Lonzo Ball video. Change yeah, that it. damn video show to it. Joel Embiid. And by the way, Ben Simmons. Forget Ooh, people, got people, people out here talking about, oh, they can get LeBron. LeBron, stay where you at. We don't want you. We got LeBage. We don't need you, okay? We got plenty wait, of people. Wait. They don't need wait, They don't need wait, wait. They don't need him. Process, moving get on without you. Get time out because you just said LeBage. What? I LeBage. did. I did. That's what they call it. That's what they call it. That's what they call, that's what they call Ben <laughs> Simmons. Joel and B, you talking about, about Lonzo looking lost. We're looking at a big man unlike any we have ever seen. And all it is is if he can stay healthy, as if, as if he's prone to injury. Nobody does Euro steps at that size. Nobody's shooting it's threes amazing. like that. They did it in Shaq, Kareem, and Wilt's house. Yeah. And then you got Magic Johnson-like performance opposite Lonzo Ball. Who, and who did they expect Magic to be like? Who did, they expected Lonzo Ball to be Magic. They were foolish. And right now he, they looks, were foolish. he looks tragic. They were foolish. And he looked like Magic. He looked like tragic. Yesterday when I said something about a, a, a triple-double for Lonzo, I was just trying to sell it. I was trying to promote <laughs> sure. the show. I don't believe that. Come on. I didn't believe that. Anyway, yeah, this is about the process, about seeing, Joel Embiid. We are seeing a, a player that it was supposed to be all that literally lose his confidence right before I'm He may not be as mentally tough, with all due respect, is that yeah. again, as, as people thought, because it does seem to be in his head right now. I think he's admitted as much. He was shooting late last night and early this morning. I think even uh, Luke Walton said he's not his usual Happy self right now. Joyful yeah. self. All right. Uh, meanwhile, your boy Embiid, he had a lot of highlights. That Eurostep was fabulous, but he almost ended up on the wrong end of one because oh, of Kyle gotta Kuzma. Bring this up. Yeah. the loudest this building has been tonight and there wasn't a basket he had his mind made up i'm gonna attack this big fella oh, i like how miss dunks now that's what we're doing would have to delete his account you know you're a star when people dunk on you it's a big deal uh speaking of stars the rockets get chris paul back tonight they play the suns he's most of the most of the last month with a bruised knee mike d'antoni said yesterday we've done up to now it doesn't count what we've done we got a new team by the way james harden talking about mvp candidates without chris paul Best plus minus in the NBA, real plus minus, excuse me, best real plus minus, according to ESPN.com, in the NBA this year, what he's done without CP3. Now, integrate them together. I'm sure they'll figure out a way for James Harden to finish second. I kid, I kid. <laughs> uh, Steph Curry, yeah, he will year. teach an online course Sign where fans up. can learn how to practice and learn the game. Steph said, quote, if I think about where I was when I was 13, if I had access to this type of curriculum, I would have been a much better player. Sign me up. I'm in. Yeah, I think this is great. Like the idea of a master class because you have a lot of other people. He's the first basketball player that has one. Yeah, I heard Serena got one. I didn't even know about Serena. Samuel L. Jackson got one. Yeah. What can you learn from Samuel L. Jackson? How to say the I actually got out of him. I actually got out of him. I'm so serious. But I'm signing Savannah and Mason up for Steph's class. Warriors in Boston, of course. Draymond Green went back to school, literally spoke to Harvard about the use of the word owner in sports. Very rarely do we take the time to rethink something and say, Uh, Maybe that's not the way. Just because someone was taught that 100 years ago doesn't make that the right thing today. And so when you look at, you know, the word owner, it really dates back to slavery. 
you know, the word owner, master, it dates back to slavery. And we just took those words and we continued to put them to use. Harvard, no Michigan State, but it's cool. <laughs> See what he was talking? <laughs> That's why when the white ball knocks the black ball completely off the table. <laughs> no, but all, no it, it's, a, it's a quality conversation to be had. Yeah, right. It really is. Uh, wow. Meanwhile, he was also talking about now that Harvard, LeBron playing too many minutes, which LeBron agreed with. LeBron, of course, played 37 last night in a win over the Hornets. Cavs got their third straight, wrapping up a successful four-game road trip. So he agreed with his comment about his minutes. I think he's up at like 37. Why do, we, why do we seem to have a minutes conversation with about LeBron? LeBron? It never like matters. All the time. It never matters. It doesn't. I mean, and he's built for this, and that's why he trains the way he trains. I'm sure in his mind, see, it, with this is a double-edged sword, because I'm sure LeBron, in his mind, he'd like to get less minutes. It sounds good. He's incapable. He, like, I don't think he's built that way to do to play less. Uh, he talked about the Cavs' new travel routine seems to be helping because following road games, they stay the night and fly out the next morning instead of leaving immediately after the game. He said, because we old, you know. <laughs> 37 well, is a lot. 37 is a lot. It, it is. But I don't, um, I don't think it, it doesn't look like it's, like you said earlier, he's not slowing down. Well, but the. the not passing forward. Huge game. The, the fate of the universe rests <laughs> upon the results of tonight's Celtics Warriors matchup. <laughs> Such a little sarcasm there. Big game, nonetheless. That's why we go to Chris Forsberg in Boston. Covers the Celtics for uh, ESPN.com. So, obviously, we spent a lot of time, Chris, talking about Kyrie Irving and Jason Tatum uh, and and Jalen Brown and so on. But whom do the Celtics consider to be their quiet MVP right now? Yeah, Mike, I think it's Al Horford, and I'll tell you why. You look at his stat line, and it doesn't really jump off the page. 15 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists. But he just impacts winning so much. And unless you watch him on a nightly basis, it's hard to truly appreciate all the little things he does for Boston. You know, the advanced metrics love him. I think he's fifth in ESPN's real plus minus. His synergy data is among the top in the percentiles in a lot of those categories. But it's just, again, I go back to it. He influences winning. Two national championships at the college level. Ten years in the NBA, he's made the playoffs every year. I think Brad Stevens has a real great appreciation for what he brings to the court. And, man, again, when he's out, this team looks different. He impacts them so much on both the defensive and offensive end. Hey, man, he's also got great timing. He was shooting right over your shoulder just now. <laughs> Thank you for <laughs> so, setting that up. We appreciate well it. I can try to bring him in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris Forsberg. Thanks, man. Nick Saban in a good mood. I love the way he just walked up and just dropped this one on the media. <clears throat> I just wanted to know how we got here. Not to offend anybody out there, but I just walked by some jeans, wore out jeans, holes in them, all cut up. I just remember when I was a kid in West Virginia, I was ashamed to go to school because my jeans were wore out, only because we didn't have any better. Now they buy them that way. I just can't figure, how did we get here? That might be his best press conference moment yet. And here you, here's the thing. We, that's true. You covered a lot of them. Yeah. We've been here for a while. Growing up in New Orleans, we had using major damage. That's all we wore. Yeah, my mother used to say that all the time. I remember when uh, I think Bell Bottoms made a little bit of a comeback. All sick. Flare jeans, like all of that stuff. It just all comes back. What's Look, as a resident new, fashion expert here, you can wear royal ones with a black and royal and gray suit. Right. <laughs> yeah. Jared Goff's audibles include Ric Flair. I know you love that. Woo! Elvis, that should be audible. Tupac, Obama. The Tupac play better be awesome. <laughs> It better be awesome. Keep your head up. That'd be two of America's most wanted or something. <laughs> right? That's great that he's having Nothing fun. Nothing but a gangster party. <laughs> Would that be your audible?
No, Brenda's you. got a baby. You probably would have 21 Savage now, since that's your boy now. I'll be stepping on my ex. Oh, man. <laughs> I got the bag of flipping and tumbling. Who's it a good day for, Jamel? All right, it's a great day for Cardinals fans and also for Larry Fitzgerald. Don't have to worry about saying goodbye to my man. He's close to reaching an agreement that will keep him in Arizona should he decide to play in 2018, according to multiple reports. Pro Football Talk, first with the news. That's fantastic. One of the really good guys oh, in sports, amazing. especially in the NFL. And also a good side. day. We talked to the NL MVP earlier. Jose Altuve, five foot six of him, AL MVP coming off the Astros' first World Series win in franchise history. This is a season that included Altuve's third batting championship, fourth straight 200-hit season, and, of course, that first World Series title. Got 27 of 30 first-place votes. So, Giancarlo Stanton, Jose Altuve, you to predict any more triple-doubles for anybody tonight? That's it for the sake. <laughs> Go to the on ESPN News. College Football Countdown is next, leading up to Tulsa, oh, South yeah, Florida. That's the prediction. At 7.30 on ESPN. Great takes. It was a tease. I was promoting the show.